Welcome to Yes, X or No Audio. We came back to Washington, D.C., and we uh, closeted with our investigators, and we said, look it, this is, uh, if this is true, what has been reported to us uh, by the commander of the National Guard down in Louisiana, then we have stumbled onto uh, clearly impeachable offenses, uh, open defiance on the part of the uh, executive branch of an express order given to them by the Congress not to be providing any military aid, direct or indirect, to the Contras. A recently published article by this newsletter uh, examines episode 37 by Whitney Webb, in which she reviews her soon-to-be-published book on a network of operatives seeking power and influence in the U.S. government. Her investigation begins uh, with the Jeffrey Epstein saga and, of course, uh, his assistant, Ghislaine Maxwell. Webb's investigation deepens. She seeks to find some origins of the network which actually facilitated Epstein. And the mission of her book is to obviously document Epstein's activities, but also to show that it is not a singular thing, that it is actually a a well-established approach to influence and power that has origins that go back to the Office of Strategic Services uh, during the Second World War. A recent addendum to that article highlights the extremely valuable work done by Daniel Sheehan, uh, a United States of America cause lawyer who has instigated many landmark cases in U.S. courts, ranging from the Karen Silkwood case, which exposes the manner in which the USA provided Israel with weapons-grade nuclear materials, to the Iran-Contra scandal, which is something that uh, appears in Webb's work. That addendum did not seem to do justice to the value of a whole series of lecture courses that Daniel Sheehan provided at the Romero Institute regarding the use of the judicial branch of government as a mechanism by which abuses of power can be checked. This audio, this podcast, is an attempt to highlight the value of this complementary research that can be brought together with other researchers like James Douglas in JFK Unspeakable or Whitney Webb in One Nation Under Blackmail and so forth. The key detail for Daniel Sheehan is he was the primary lawyer in many of these cases which exposed abuses of power by elements of the executive branch of the USA's government. So he's an authoritative source and these materials are available. 
They're published by the Romero Institute's YouTube channel. In recently reviewing uh, some of these materials, which I first listened to a decade ago, I see that they have like 4,000 views, which is ridiculous. This is prima facie first-person historical evidence of the corruption and abuse of power which sits within the USA government. It serves as a, as a sort of introductory background to the rubbish which is going on now in terms of uh, Ukraine and the stupidity over Taiwan and, and so forth. It's an important grounding. So there are these wonderful independent research areas which are being, uh, which have been produced by people like Douglas and Webb and so forth. But here we have a lawyer who's actually very clever and has used the judicial branch of the government to bring abuses of power to account and actually to check them. So that addendum to the article was designed to elevate the importance of this work that Sheehan has done. And this podcast is designed with exactly the same purpose, to highlight the value of these series of courses which Daniel Sheehan ran at the Romero Institute. They are very insightful. He's a bloody lawyer. He can remember dates, times, faces. I mean, he's a bit like uh, Webb. He's a tenacious investigator, but comes from a legal background rather than a journalistic background, although the work in which uh, he, the work which he pursued is quite dependent upon journalists themselves. I remark in the addendum that one of the challenges that lawyers have is to find a plaintiff with standing. The story of Sheehan via the Christic Institute being able to bring the case which exposes the Iran-Contra affair to the courts is quite amazing. He really struggles to find a plaintiff withstanding. And the story of how that occurs is remarkable and uh, serendipitous and really exposes a sort of ineptitude and stupidity being employed by these forces which are, you know, pursuing their ideological agenda of anti-communism and la-la-la, which goes to the, the, the contra cause to the Sandinista government in Central America. And so it all devolves back to the sort of Monroe Doctrine and that the USA has the right to rule over the entire Western Hemisphere and all of this sort of imperial rubbish, which goes back, you know, to the uh, the end of the 19th century. So the 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 whole point of this lecture, these lecture series by Sheehan, is to provide a grounding in the nature of the abuse of power and how it can be checked via clever legal maneuvering. So I advise you to pay attention to Daniel Sheehan. He's a, he's not a whistleblower, he's a lawyer. 
but he's essentially <laughs> a whistleblower in lawyer's clothing. Uh, the information which he imparts in the whole series of lectures that, that he gives are of great value. They really help to expose the internecine undertones of this abuse of power. Please take them seriously and take the time uh, to listen to them. They are extremely informative and they will complement other areas of research that you choose to take to learn about the structure of power and how it operates uh, under the US hegemonic structure. And he, at the present time, was running a, a, uh, a private airplane a leasing outfit. And they were special little airplanes. They were this kind of European airplane that had the back end that it would drop open, and so you could drop, you could parachute stuff out of it while you were still flying. It was, it was like a, a C-123, if you're familiar with a big C-123, the big cargo planes got the big drop back and stuff. They can drop stuff out of it. Well, these were little like mini C-123s, and he had a whole fleet of them, and he was renting them out. And he started telling me about the fact that uh, he had been contacted by a man who will have to remain nameless, he said. Uh, uh, and he said, but uh, he wanted me to know what, he wanted to know whether I would be willing to lease my entire fleet of planes uh, to a private company up in Connecticut, uh, and they were going to be bringing humanitarian supplies to people that were uh, refugees from Nicaragua who were fleeing the, the totalitarian communist regime uh, that had now established a, 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 a totalitarian dictatorship in Nicaragua. And so he said, hey, I said, why not? You know, he said, I don't like commies, I'll do that, you know. And so he leases his whole fleet to him. And one of the planes, I mentioned, had been flying back from bringing these humanitarian supplies. Uh, and it went down uh, and it was filled with cocaine. And he was upset. They offered to pay him for the whole thing, but he was still upset. But he didn't like that. And he'd been complaining about this, apparently publicly, you know, at the Heritage Foundation, you know, probably over drinks and whining in his beer to Paul Hoven. And so uh, he starts telling me the whole story. And so I said, well, that's really interesting. Uh, and so I started explaining to him what I was doing, you know, and what I was looking into. And so he started getting all very interested in that. He said, look, let me, uh, let, me come, let me take you to meet the guy who leased all of these airplanes from me. And uh, you talk with him and see if you and he can get along. And so uh, he ends up a week later, he drives out. We drive out to Virginia to this, uh, this little uh, this safe house, as it turns out. It was a CIA safe house. And the guy that he introduces me to is Carl Jenkins. And uh, Carl Jenkins, as it turns out, uh, is an extraordinarily interesting guy, a former United States Marine Corps. He was one of the very first guys to be transferred from the U.S. Marine Corps into the U.S. Army Special Forces to train Rangers when that thing first, that program first began. And as it turns out, he was the guy that had leased all of these planes to fly the military equipment down to the Contras. And so I spent some time talking with him, uh, and... Uh, then he mysteriously has his wife uh, come over to the place, uh, Elizabeth Jenkins, who turns out to be a full colonel in the Central Intelligence Agency. Uh, and she is the director of uh, psychological evaluation in the Central Intelligence Agency. 
So she sits down and starts talking to me and uh, asking me why I was doing this. And so I explained to her why I was doing this, you know. And, uh, and uh, so we get all done with, the, with explaining that thing. And he says, uh, look, uh, I got to tell you, he says, I don't, I don't like this guy Shackley anyhow who's running this whole thing. Well, that was the first time I'd heard about this guy. Uh, who's this Shackley guy? He says, well, Shackley is the guy that runs covert operations, ran covert operations for George, w., George H.W. when he was the DCI, Director of Central Intelligence. He said, he's the guy running this whole thing. This is, this is a Shackley operation. I never did like him. Uh, I didn't like him from back in Southeast Asia. When it turns out I was the liaison for Shackley as the CIA station chief, I was the liaison to Vang Pao who was the opium warlord over in Laos. And I was the guy that was the go-between uh, between the two of them. When, when Shackley set up the whole thing, where Shackley, Shackley ran this project, really interesting project, he said that turns out that Vang Pao was one of the three opium warlords in Laos back in, in, the, in the Far East, uh, Southeast Asia. And he said, and what, what Shackley did when he became the, the uh, Laotian uh, station chief for the CIA he set up a whole project where he, he set up a program where he got U.S. military planes to drop incendiary devices on the competitors of, of Vang Pao. And so they eliminated, they would put hound dog bumper beepers inside the saddlebags for the donkeys and stuff that they were hauling their opium out with. And then uh, they'd come in in these little P-23s or whatever they were, they would come in and they would, they would locate the bumper beepers and then they would drop incendiaries on them and kill them all. And so they, they, by doing this, they figured out a way to have Vang Pao become the monopoly controller of opium in Laos. Thanks for listening. Until next time.